Welcome to Today's Issues, offering a Christian response to the issues of the day. Here's your host, Tim Wildman, President of the American Family Association. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to today's issues on American Family Radio for this Tuesday, November the 23rd. I'm Tim Wildman, and we appreciate you listening to AFR. Joining me in studio is Fred Jackson. Yes, sir. Great to be here. Nice to be inside because it's really Amen. cold outside. It's saying a lot for a Canadian. I know. When it's 47 degrees or whatever it is right now here in Tupelo. Frosty. We get the our weatherman in Kansas City, Kansas, is standing by. <laughs> Dr. Ray Pritchard. Ray. You know, it's it's cold here in Kansas City, but I think it's colder in Tupelo this morning than it is here in Kansas. And it's 45 right now. Okay. What's it, it there? Uh, maybe 47, but I'm down in my basement, so I just turned the space heater on, so I've got the, I got the hot air blowing on my feet. You know how that goes. And the basement, the basement gets cold, does the it? The basement gets cold and chilly and clammy and all that, mm. so yeah. Uh, do so, you have the, the central heat? Do you have central heat in the, in the basement there? Yeah, but it works better as you go higher, you know. Oh, yeah. Heat yeah. rises, so yeah. it just, it, it's better upstairs than it is here. Well, uh, folks, we hope you're having nice weather wherever you may be. Let me see. I'll just check the national radar and see if uh, see what's going on here. Uh, except for the Pacific Northwest, they're getting some. That's where Ray's going. I would just think that I would, except for exactly exactly where I'm going tomorrow. Uh, it's just like just snow and and the rain on the coast. So you're going to uh, your annual trek out to uh, Oregon, right? You're right, to Cannon Beach Conference Center. And it is, you can't get more on the Pacific Coast than where we'll be. My, Marlene and I are going to be there for the, that Thanksgiving Bible Conference, which I've never, I've done a lot of stuff for them, but I've never done a Thanksgiving conference anywhere. But this morning, it's, I don't know, i got to see what it is at Cannon Beach this Carol, morning. I'm looking at Cannon Beach right now. Yeah. On the, but uh, now... That's beautiful, but you really want to go in the summer, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It's beautiful <laughs> right. in the summer. In the summer, but uh, why'd they you move get, it to Thanksgiving? Well, you know, they do big summer conferences and stuff, but they, they do each year a Thanksgiving conference, and then they do a Christmas conference in December, and they have a full house, you know, all the right. time for these seasonal conferences. But I'll tell you, you get to late November on the coast – you got rain and wind, yeah. and horizontal rain coming oh, in. Oh, really? The, the horizontal rain coming in, which is yeah. unusual experience. So, absolutely, you, you try to stay inside. All right, you're listening to today's issues, and uh, Dr. Frank Turk will be with us in just a few moments. So, we look forward to visiting with Frank. Fred, what's leading the news this morning? Well, this afternoon, Daryl Brooks, the man who is uh, now facing charges. Uh, five murder charges and uh, injuring 48 people there in uh, Waukesha, Wisconsin, during a Christmas parade on Sunday. He'll be in court uh, this afternoon, I guess, for formal reading of the charges. But what a lot of people are asking questions, a lot of questions about this horrible, horrible uh, tragedy is what it is. But a lot of people are asking, why was he out? Why was he not in a jail somewhere? We know 
that he had been given a $1,000 bail. He was out on $1,000 bail for an incident on November the 5th, so not that long ago, where, according to police records, he ran over a girlfriend with a vehicle. They had a dispute. But, of course, he was arrested after that, but the prosecution let him walk on $1,000 bail. We also know he has a rap sheet going back to 1999. And so people are asking, what is going on with our legal system to allow somebody who has had so much, so many encounters with the law, including the latest one, November 5th, what was he doing out that allowed him? He is a suspect. Okay, we have a suspect in this case uh, driving his SUV through these parade in downtown Waukesha. We have five people dead, including three people. They're members of of this group called the Dancing Grannies. We're talking an 81-year-old woman. We're talking a 71-year-old woman. We're talking about now seven kids in critical condition in hospital. So people are saying... For what? I mean, what was the guy... They were were mowed down. Yes, I know, but we don't know the motive... Uh, do we? We don't. We don't know the motive now. Uh, uh, that sounded bad. Let me just say, there's no motive that is acceptable. Okay. No. But I just wondered if there, there there's no motive that's been explained by the uh, police yet. No. On why this guy did that. No. The first thing I thought, Ray, and Fred, will uh, get back to your um, your question on why this guy was out of prison or out of jail. Uh, first thing I thought, Ray, this guy's on probably on meth or something. You know. Uh, well, it certainly seemed that way. You know, one of the interesting things about crime here in the 21st century at this moment is that if you do what this fellow allegedly did, I mean, somebody was driving that SUV, right? If mm-hmm. it was him, is that there's video now all over the place, right? right? You got cell phones and everything. And there's that shocking video that's taken from up above. Looks like a you know, an apartment or a condo. So you can see as he or whoever was driving that SUV plows right into that group of marchers and doesn't even slow down, doesn't make the slightest attempt to, uh, to swerve away. So the whole thing is, is baffling because on one hand, he, he crosses the police barricade, barrels down the street, could have hit people earlier, and then suddenly gets to where the, quote, marching grannies are, and guys, he just full speed, runs them over, and keeps on going. How do you possibly, I mean, what motive, right. what, what is going on in a man's head to do this? Just to go out and, and kill innocent people Yeah, with your, with your car, uh, in this case your, your SUV. Yeah, this guy, if you look at his rap sheet, I don't know how you explain. This happens a lot, though, across the country. Yes, where where you, you hear on the new evening news, or you read in the paper the morning after, and you and you're reading about a crime that's been committed, and then they say this this guy was wanted on this, that, and the other, or he had been convicted of this, that, and the other, and you're going, what judge let him out? Yeah, why is right. he walking the streets? Uh, and not it doesn't make sense at all. Not unless you got some you got you got these uh, liberal district attorneys now. Yes, across right. especially in big cities like Milwaukee, mm-hmm. who uh, they're soft on crime. Yep, uh, and and 
and uh, <clears throat> unless the citizens of the community demand more, uh, because DAs are either elected or they're appointed, right? Mm-hmm. So there's still some accountability there. Then I don't think that's going to change. You look what's happening in L.A. and San Francisco, some of these big cities. Uh, well, it, it, it's Fred. It's, it's like you said. If if this had been a case of somebody with no prior record, right? right. That's one thing, right? Because the bail situation is going to be different if you truly have no record at all. But this is a guy, Fred, with multiple repeated offenses. Right? How in the I'm not saying the fix was in because I don't believe that. I think it, I think if this is part of the liberal left wing right. approach to quote justice, let's make the bail so low that uh, almost anybody can get out. Well, Senator Ron Johnson, a Republican from Wisconsin, was on Fox and Friends this morning, and he was talking about this. Something has to be done with our justice system. Cut one. This probably never should have happened. Uh, we really do need to review our criminal justice system. It just seems like we, we've gotten into this uh, uh, argument now with the left. They, they want a revolving door. Uh, they, they want catch and release, whether it's on the southern border or whether it's through our criminal justice system. And so you, you have crime now spilling over from high crime regions into you know, communities like, like Waukesha that, uh, you know, listen, there's still crime in Waukesha, but it's a, it's a low crime area in general. Uh, and so it's starting to spill over and people need to start asking the questions about our criminal justice system releasing violent criminals. You know, it was very interesting. In the midst of that interview with Senator Johnson this morning, they, cl- they paid a, a, played a clip of Rashida Tlaib, Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib. She's a member of the squad. Democrat. She's, uh, Democrat from Michigan. And she apparently has signed on to a bill. I found this hard to believe. Couldn't be right. But apparently she signed on to a bill where she would like to empty all federal prisons over the next 10 years. And she was questioned about this by a reporter, Axios reporter, Jonathan Swan. Cut to. Have you wrestled with any potential downsides of releasing into society every single person who's currently in a federal prison? Yeah, I, again, I think that everyone's like, we're going to just release everybody. That's not that's what, what I'm the, that's Yeah, is. but did you see how many people are mentally ill that are in prison right now? No, I know, but the act that you so endorsed keep, actually gonna, says release everyone. But in, in 10, 10 years. years, but think about it, who are releasing? But there are like human traffickers, oh, I know. child sex. So, but I you're mean, saying, do you mean that you don't actually support that? Because no, you endorsed the bill. No, I, no, look at the I folks understand. that are mentally ill that have substance abuse but, problems. But Why aren't you asking me about them? You're asking me about the crimi- human no. traffickers and others that no, should be. I'm trying to understand. Be. Your proposal is so sweeping. It oh, does oh, It does release yeah. everyone. And what I'm trying to say to you Within is... Within 10 years, and yeah. obviously there's a process. In your vision, there is still... Um, whatever proportion they are, a small proportion, who do need to be behind bars. Yeah, again, I would have to look at every case individually right. and figure that all out. But has he said she has signed on to a bill to empty our federal prisons? Who does well, that? Well, that's, that's the philosophy of the far left. Uh, the George Soros-funded uh, uh, city attorneys or district attorneys around the country, we've all heard those reports. Go ahead, Ray. Look, the first step is defund the police. Right. And the next logical step, guys, is exactly what she is saying. Defund the police first and then empty the prisons, turning American society into something close to anarchy and chaos. It's hard right. to believe a congresswoman would sign on to a bill like that. 
And you have to ask yourself why. Why would you Why would you be in favor of something so so nutty like that? And uh, you know, I, I would like to explore this uh, with with other people, maybe who are more knowledgeable on 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 the reasons why the far left do, does the things that they do. But it sounds like to me they want to just destroy the country because they want to remake it in some other way, some other fashion. Uh, that's what, you know, Colin Kaepernick, who isn't a congressman, he's a former quarterback who is a, a Black Lives Matter um, activist type guy now. But he, he he said it out loud the other day. He said, you know, basically we need to tear it all down. This is a racist country that needs to be torn down and re- rebuilt, re- re- remade. Uh, that- I, I, I hear those comments, but I... I- I'd never hear the explanation. What kind of country do you want? But they don't have an example that, 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 that I've been able. They they don't say, okay, here's the model we want to follow. Zimbabwe, yeah. you know, right? Uh, uh, let's go for uh, Honduras. That's what we want America to look like. They don't never they don't ever say anything like that. Now these people are Marxist. A lot of them, Ray and Fred. They, I mean, they are. They are. Yeah. They, they're statist. They're communist in many ways i mean uh colin kaepernick is lauded fidel castro so um and, and a lot of it's hatred for for white americans uh let's be honest these people they spew it all the time uh they they think that uh, that's what critical race theory teaches mm-hmm. quite frankly so they that they would they they think the system is uh is a white European Christian, and they want to they want to tear it all down. The, sy- know, the system, the American. Some of the everything. protesters outside of the courthouse uh, in Kenosha the other yeah. day, who wanted to convict uh, Young Rittenhouse, and we'll talk about that a little bit more later. <clears throat> but I, I looked at some of the signs, and they said capitalism is racism. Yeah, see, that's what I'm talking about. That's a Marxist philosophy. It doesn't make any sense. No. To us, it doesn't make any sense, but to these people, they—that's what the—that's what they—they they believe that, and they're—you know—I they're, don't know what percentage of Americans they represent. Probably two percent, three percent, but they're loud, and they're proud, and they're obnoxious, and they—they—they uh, they, uh, they have the money and the time to pressure uh, for their and advocate for their uh, their position. Listen, listen, corporate America is embracing a lot of this. Uh, Colin Kaepernick hates America. And Nike says, how many millions do you want to proclaim that message? That's why I'm not going to wear a Nike. I'm not going to buy Nike. i got Nike in my closet. I'm not going to throw it away, although some people <laughs> did. But but I'm not going to wear it because uh, that's – I can't I can't go for that, you know, at all. Uh, so, all right. We uh, want to change topics now. We've been doing – a uh, Christian apologetic segment with Dr. Frank Turek for the last, uh, well, for every once in a while we'll do this. Other times we deal with other topics that Frank wants to cover, but he's on with us right now. Good morning, Frank. Hey, this is apologetics right now. I think one of the main reasons that this group uh, wants to free everybody from prison is because they have a wrong view of human nature. They think human beings are essentially good, and it's only society 
that is to blame. Now, obviously, there's a contradiction there because if humans are essentially good, you would expect a whole bunch of humans getting together to create a society would be good as well, right? <laughs> Why is society so bad? Why are there oppressors if human beings are so good? So it's fraught with contradiction. And if you're going to believe that human beings are essentially good, my question is, why do you have a lock on your door? Yeah. Why, why do you have passwords on your computers? Why do you have antivirus on your computers? Why, yeah. are, wh- why do you call the police when something goes wrong? Yeah, why wh- do you want police in your neighborhood? Even people who are saying defund the police realize they want police there. Yeah, why does Congresswoman Tlaib have security? Why is there a fence around the White House, a fence around the Capitol? Oh, fences don't work. Borders don't work. Why is there one around the White House then? Right. I mean. Yeah, they're, they're, they're the, uh, I guess it was Michael Savage who said liberalism is a mental disorder. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's, it's, a lot of times it's illogical. Just, yeah, uh, there's, there's, it's fraught with contradiction. That's the, that's the problem. And look, it's easy to be bad. It's hard to be good. If there's one thing Christianity certainly gets right, it gets everything right, obviously. But if there's one thing it certainly gets right is that human nature is flawed, that human nature is evil, that we don't we don't follow our hearts. We guard our hearts, says the proverb. If you follow your heart, you're going to be dead in short order. If you guard your heart in a dangerous world, when you have dangerous desires that may want you to do things that are going to hurt yourself and others. If you guard that, then you can live a fruitful life. If you follow your heart, you're going to wind up in the hospital or dead. Yeah. Uh, okay. I want to, can we change, uh, let's change topics now. Uh, well, related to you, you wrote uh, here, the question for the week is the new Testament in the Bible is too embarrassing to be false. What yeah, you, what, what I mean what you, by that yeah. is, is that if you're, historians know that if they're evaluating an historical text, if there's something embarrassing to the author or authors, it's probably true, right? Why? Because you're not going to invent embarrassing details about yourself. You, you, might, you might invent things that make you look good, but you won't invent things that make you look bad. So I always, I always ask audiences when I'm speaking to them, I say, how many people in here have ever lied to make yourself look good? <laughs> and the people that don't raise their hands, I say, you're lying right now to make yourself look good. Uh-huh. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we know you're lying. It's not working. Right. And, and then I ask, how many people in here have lied to make yourself look bad? Well, nobody raises their hands. Why? Because you don't lie to make yourself look bad. You lie to make yourself look good. Well, it turns out that New Testament writers, and this is true of the Old Testament, have filled the, their, their narrative with embarrassing things that make themselves look bad. I mean, here's just a couple. Uh, Peter says, Lord, I'll never deny you. What does he wind up doing? He winds up denying him three times. And then at the crucifixion, all the disciples, maybe with the exception of John, they all run away because they're afraid of the Jews, right? And who are the brave ones? Well, the women are the brave ones. Now, who wrote the New Testament down? Men. Now, what man is going to invent that he was hiding for fear of the Jews while the women went down and discovered the empty tomb? Yeah. I wouldn't. Tim, would you would you write it that way if you were making it up? No, no, I wouldn't. No. no. I mean, if I was making it up, I'd make myself look <laughs> right, good. Right. I'd say, look, we marched right down to the tomb and we we confronted that Roman guard. And uh, 
we said, we'll be back. And then on Sunday morning, we, we marched right down to the tomb, and we saw Jesus who congratulated us on our great faith, and then we went and comforted the trembling women, right? <laughs> I would never say I was Mr. Sissy Pants why the women went down and discovered the empty tomb. Yet all four Gospels say the women were the first witnesses. And you would never invent that in that culture either. Why? Because a woman's testimony was not considered on par with that of a man. So if you're making up the resurrection story, you'd only have the men be the first witnesses. But all four Gospels say the women were the first witnesses, which means they're probably telling the truth here. Yeah. Talking to Dr. Frank Turek. Uh, go ahead, Ray. You have a comment or question? Frank, when we look at the New Testament today, there's some people who say rather, rather glibly, I suppose some of the critics say it doesn't even matter None of it, none of it really should be taken seriously at all. How important in terms of Christian apologetics is the question of the reliability or the truthfulness of what the New Testament actually says? That is to say, do the details really matter? Yeah, I think they do, although you don't need the details to know that the essential story is true. Um, in other words, even if you were to have and and and. And there are people that say, oh, there's contradictions between the gospel accounts of the resurrection. Uh, and, oh, so does that disprove the resurrection? No, they all agree on the resurrection. They may disagree or they may allegedly disagree, depending upon how you read the gospels, as to who got to the tomb first, right? Who saw them, who saw them first and all that. All that is what you would expect from eyewitness testimony. Uh, my friend Jay Warner Wallace, the cold case homicide detective who's investigated hundreds of murders, says... Look, if I have two eyewitnesses telling me exactly the same thing in every detail, they got together and colluded. They're always going to agree on the essential thing. Somebody got shot, right? They may disagree as to, you know, what color the jacket the guy was wearing, how many shots were fired, that kind of thing. But they agree that somebody was shot. Well, the same thing is true in the New Testament. Everybody agrees there was a resurrection, there are differences in how those stories are told in the sense that who got to the tomb first, was there one angel or two, that kind of thing. But that just shows that they were eyewitnesses. It doesn't show that the events didn't occur. In fact, I always ask people, these were all Jewish believers in Yahweh. They thought they were God's chosen people. Why would they invent a resurrected Jesus? By saying Jesus had resurrected from the get dead, they got beaten, tortured, and killed. Last time I checked, that was not a list of perks, right? They had no motive to invent this story. They had every motive to say it wasn't true, but they said it was true. Why? Because it really happened. Mm. Talking to Dr. Frank Turk. Frank, what's, uh, where can people read more about what you're discussing today? Well, the book, I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist, goes into this quite a bit, as well as another book I wrote called Stealing from God, Why Atheists Need God to Make Their Case. This is... Uh, Embarrassing testimony is one of the lines of testimony that, that I really think nails it for me because I'm naturally skeptical about this stuff. But when I see them recording things that were embarrassing, I'm going, they're not inventing this. I mean, think about even, even what they say about Jesus, which could be potentially embarrassing, right? He's called a drunkard. He's called demon-possessed. He has his feet wiped with the hair of a prostitute, which easily could have been seen as a sexual advance. And there are even two prostitutes in his bloodline. Rahab and Tamar. This is not a made-up bloodline. This is the Messiah's bloodline, and he has shady people in it. Why? Because that's how it happened. Yeah. Uh, get Frank's book, folks. I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. You can uh, go on Frank's website. Uh, what is that website? Crossexamined.org. With a D. 
That's right. Crossexamined.org and join Frank. Weekends here on American Family Radio, 9 a.m. Central Time. Saturdays. Sunday afternoons at what time? I think it's 4 Central, 5 Eastern, if I'm not mistaken, right? On a whole 12. <laughs> I think that's it. About then. Uh, <laughs> all right. With we, your with your with with your your headphones in, I'm sure, Tim, listening to the podcast. Right? <laughs> y- yes, <laughs> yes, of to get, draw inspiration for my next shot. Uh, uh-huh. All right, thanks, Frank. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. We'll be back. Happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, happy yes. Thanksgiving. We'll be back in a minute, everybody. What does the American Family Association stand for? AFA upholds the truth that all human beings, including the unborn, are created in the image of God and are worthy of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. These values and more are part of our mission to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. We want to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation Thank you for standing with us. A vacation with a purpose. Hello, everyone. I'm Tim Wildman, president of American Family Association and American Family Radio. That's what some of our folks have called our spiritual heritage tours, which we're going to be doing again in 2022. Let me tell you what we do. We go on a trip to Williamsburg, Jamestown, and Yorktown. We see early American history there. And then we go to Washington, D.C. and George Washington's Mount Vernon on a separate tour. We do these in June and September. They're perfect weather months in that part of the country. Stephen McDowell, who is a historian and author of America's Providential History, he will be our expert on the trip. So we'll have a historian joining us on these tours. It's going to be a wonderful time together in our nation's capital and in Colonial Williamsburg in 2022. June and September. If you want to go, go to the website spiritualheritagetours.com, spiritualheritagetours.com. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes. Stand by for news and commentary next. No matter your career goals, you want to find a university that provides excellent academics and state-of-the-art facilities at a price you can afford. At Liberty University, they believe a quality Christian education should be available to everyone. That's why they've frozen their tuition rates through the 2021-2022 academic year and offer multiple scholarships, like the Middle America Scholarship, to bring that price point even lower. Learn more by texting STARNS to the number 49596. There's a battle brewing in Texas over public school libraries. In recent weeks, moms and dads at Timber Creek High School have been wandering around the stacks of books, discovering what they say is inappropriate material. Some say downright pornographic. One book in particular is called Gender Queer. It shows images that were so graphic the local NBC TV station had to blur the photos. Now, if a book like that is too racy for a local TV station, why would librarians think it was appropriate for kids? Turns out Gender Queer is in public school libraries across the nation, big and small. You might want to pay a visit to your local school library just to be safe. Critics say it's about banning books, but I disagree. This is about age-appropriate material, and underage kids have no business learning about graphic sexual activity. Now, this is an issue facing school districts around the nation. Should public school libraries be LGBT resource centers? I'm Todd Stearns. Beloved, we are now children of God, and what we will be has not yet been revealed. We know that when Christ appears, we will be like Him, for we will see Him as He is. And everyone who has this hope in Him purifies himself just as Christ is pure. 1 John 3. 
two and three. American Family Radio. When you die, are you going to heaven or not? You can know for sure. Heaven or not. Dot net. This is today's issues. Email your comments to comments at AFR.net. Past broadcasts of today's issues are available for listening and viewing in the archive at AFR.net. Now, back to more of today's issues. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to today's issues on the American Family Radio Network. A couple of things. If you want to send us an email, go to comments at AFR.net. That's our email address. Comments at AFR.net. If you want to watch this year's show on uh, what Ed Vitagliano calls that their internet, just go to Facebook or YouTube and type in Today's Issues, and we live video stream from our studios here in Tupelo. You can't see Ray. Ray's in Kansas City, but uh, we don't have a camera there. Uh, <clears throat> but uh, we, if you want to watch the show, and we, fo- we post the Facebook stories. Excuse me. We post the stories that we discuss here on our Facebook page so today's issues is what you need to do for youtube or facebook uh tim wildman here with fred jackson and ray pritchard and next story fred i think most people in our audience are now familiar with the name kyle rittenhouse Mm -hmm. he is the young man who last friday was acquitted of uh, multiple murder charges uh and with regards to what happened at a anti-police riot in Kenosha, Wisconsin, in the summer of 2020. Now, that's not the way the mainstream media is describing, but it was an anti-police riot. He went there to protect property. His dad lives in Kenosha. He is from Illinois. And uh, the story unfolded. He was attacked while he was trying to protect property there in Kenosha, and he ended up in the way of self-defense, defending himself against these attacks. Two men were killed and one was injured. He was taken to court, charges laid against him. The jury last Friday found him not guilty on all charges. Well, last night he appeared uh, with Tucker Carlson on Fox News because one of those who accused young Kyle uh, Rittenhouse very early on when the incident occurred in the summer of 2020 was a candidate for the president of the United States, who is now the president of the United States, Joe Biden. Joe Biden referred to Rittenhouse as a white supremacist. So uh, young Kyle last night was asked about that, what he feels about the accusation from Joe Biden, cut three. What did you make of the president of the United States calling you a white supremacist? Mr. President, if I could say one thing to you, I would urge you to go back and watch the trial and understand the facts before you make a statement. That's not a small thing to be called that. No, it's it's actual malice defaming my character for him to say something like that. <laughs> I saw the whole interview mm-hmm. last night on Tucker uh, Carlson's show. Did you watch any of it, Ray? I didn't see okay. didn't see any of it. Yeah, I watched the whole interview. Uh, I guess is he eighteen now? He's eighteen. Very impressive. Yeah. Young, young man, uh, yeah. very articulate, thoughtful, to be uh, 18 years old. I, mean, I, I was having a hard time putting sentences together when I was 
18. Uh, very impressed. Uh, listen, uh, there's uh, a lot of layers here to this story. The left-wing media in this country and left-wing politicians, including then-candidate Biden, now President Biden, Kyle Rittenhouse, they wanted to create, uh, they wanted to create a a uh, KKK clan leader uh, image of this guy who was, uh, you know, some kind of raging maniac. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. You watched the interview last night, and if you watched the trial or any of the trial, you know that that's as furthest from the truth that there can be. Um. Whatever you may say about what Kyle Rittenhouse uh, got involved with there, and I thought it was, personally, I wouldn't have liked my son going down in the middle of that chaos, uh, endangering himself. Mm -hmm. Uh, But whatever you may say about what happened there, to inject race into it or to call him a white supremacist is just slander. Biden hadn't... Biden didn't know this guy from from anything. This young man, he didn't know. He didn't know the whole story. The trial hadn't happened. All he went off of Biden is he used that image of Kyle Rittenhouse with the with the gun. What do you call that? Uh, whatever kind of gun? AR fifteen. Okay, and that one picture that we all have seen a million times, and Biden used that in his campaign to say that Trump. President Trump is not uh, is in favor of white supremacy. <laughs> hmm. It's just it was it was just uh, this is how people on the left do they infl- well, they try to stoke division among Americans. They try to divide us on racial lines. So to say he was a white supremacist, his mother's going, I don't know what I don't know what they're talking about. Kyle Rittenhouse last night. In fact, said he he supports the message of uh, Black Lives Matter. Yeah. That's what he said. Now, I don't know that Kyle Rittenhouse fully understands the politics of the organization Black Lives Matter. I doubt he does. But he supports uh, the idea, and who doesn't mm-hmm. support the idea of, of uh, Black Lives Matter, not the organization and what it stands for. But I'm just saying, uh, if you want to criticize him for being there or whatever, but uh, to say he uh, is a racist or a white supremacist, Ray, that they were, I think what the left knew, they had to inject that or either people wouldn't get upset about the situation. Go you ahead. know, Tim, there's a legitimate discussion about why he was there in the first place. Right. Okay. Wasn't illegal. He no. didn't break any laws no. by going there. His father lives in Kenosha. He's got other family members there. He's got friends in the city. But, I mean, you can, that's, That's a fair question to debate that. But let's understand that in this exhaustive trial, exhaustive and exhausting trial, in all the hours uh, that the prosecution was making their case, they did not bring forth not one scintilla of evidence to show that he was a white supremacist. And look, guys, if there had been any evidence in his emails, on his social media, or, 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 
if there had been the slightest bit of evidence that he leaned that way, the prosecution would have trotted it out to make their case. They brought nothing out because there is nothing there. So there's that. The other thing is, it is completely inappropriate for the president at that moment during the campaign when he's not even, he's still running, he's not even the president yet, it's completely irresponsible for him to accuse Kyle Rittenhouse right, of white did. supremacy. No evidence for it at he, that point. Completely irresponsible. He, uh, Biden used an image of a uh, now we know innocent American citizen mm-hmm. to slander him for political purposes. And I wouldn't be surprised if uh, because now a president is somewhat inoculated from lawsuits, at least while he's in office, right? Right. We're talking right. about Biden was a candidate. That's right. When his campaign put the picture up of Kyle Rittenhouse and said, here's a white supremacist. When that that's uh, Kyle Rittenhouse used the word malice. Yes, it was malicious because Biden or his campaign, they didn't know this guy was a white supremacist. They just thought, hey, there's a white guy with a gun. Right. Uh, throw him up there on the on, the, on our ad and say, uh, this is white supremacy. Yeah. Uh, it's just, this is how these people, it's a Jesse Smollett syndrome. Well, uh, but the attitude what? has continued. Even in the last few weeks, well, in the wake of the of the uh, the jury coming back, Biden still said, you know, I'm there's anger over this. I understand the anger. Anger over what? Who said that, Biden? Biden. Right. Uh, Jen Psaki, in the midst of the trial, said she was concerned about vigilanteism. Listen, this this is a habit oh, yeah. of this administration. You know, we have now have an attorney general of the United States going after parents who show up at school board meetings yeah. because basically describing them as terrorists. Yeah. This is this. Yeah. This and is also uh, Harris, the vice president the other day after the Rittenhouse decision said that uh, that uh, needs to be more equity and more work needs to be done. Now, I will say this. and We mentioned this yesterday. Actually, Biden, to his credit, when he did the impromptu, immediate response mm-hmm. to the decision, it looked like he was maybe getting off Marine One at the White House or something like that. Somebody said the decision just came down. What do you think? He gave the right response. He said, uh, we have to uh, trust the, uh, I'm, I'm paraphrasing now, but basically <clears throat> trust the uh, judicial system. I believe in the trial by a jury of your peers. And we respect that decision. <clears throat> well, he goes inside the White House, and I guess Jen Psaki said, what are you doing? <laughs> you have got to show more rage, more uh, more outrage about this decision because we got to pander to the uh, to the BLM crowd. So I'm going to issue – uh, this is what happened. So she said, I'm going to write you a statement where you say you're angry about this, and we're going to issue it here. Even though he displayed no anger, yeah. the moment he learned of the decision, so this is a lot of this is trying to gin up artificial uh, anger, and this is another reason why there were no riots, and this is another reason why there were no there, there were there was hardly any reaction across the country to the Kyle Rittenhouse case from BLM or the Antifa or the or the the Al Sharptons of the world. Why? Because you want everybody knows, if you saw the videos, the guy was being attacked by white people 
he he shot two of them. Unfortunately, they died, but they attacked him. And had he not shot them, he would have been dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and by the way, uh, he was there to, as he explained last night, Kyle Rittenhouse, to he was there to protect a a business because the businesses were being destroyed downtown. They were being burned and looted. And uh, again, I I wouldn't put my one of my son in that situation, but he was there to help keep a, a car dealership. I think it was from being destroyed because the one had been destroyed the night before. Before. And, and one of the reasons there was concern about the ongoing riots in Kenosha, then President Trump had had offered up the National Guard to protect these Kenosha. businesses. And in, the governor. And the governor, the, the governor. Democrat governor said yeah. no. But yeah, the governor didn't re, didn't protect his own one of his own cities because he didn't he didn't like President Trump, so he wasn't going to agree with anything Trump said. Yeah. That was it was kind of a, very, that's what happened. Yep. You know, if you want to write over the whole thing, it's a terrible tragedy. Yeah. It should not have happened. Right, right. right. They should have called in. The governor failed because the governor failed. Then the police did what they could do, but the, the mayor of Kenosha failed. The whole system up there failed. The rioters were not being stopped. Here comes Kyle Rittenhouse to, right. uh, to, to, uh, uh, to, to do his part. He gets attacked. They're going to kill him. He had, he acts in self-defense. And you know, one other fact here about this trial, the jury, it's not like the jury went out for 15 minutes and came back with a verdict. They were out. They, they deliberated 26 hours. Yeah. And you know, those lesser charges were put in there to give the jury an out. So if they didn't want to convict him on the on the bigger ones, they'd get him on the smaller ones. The fact that they found him not guilty on all of them, I think that's as clear a vindication for Kyle Rittenhouse as you could ever want. You know, there is a thread here that we need to keep bringing people to and to observe and to digest in all of this. So the governor last summer when this occurred didn't want, uh, didn't take President Trump's offer to go in with uh, National Guard to stop the destruction. All right. Portland, Oregon, Democrats, Run City. Last summer, even last Sunday again, riots, businesses destroyed. Seattle, Democrat Run City, businesses destroyed. People dying inside inside the so-called zone in Seattle. Yeah. I just read this morning, uh, Washington, D.C., Democrat-run area. Highest murder rate since 2004. 200 people have been murdered in that city. New York, Chicago, we can go on and on. This, this when you are electing Democrats, this is what's happening. Or defund the police. Defund the police. Right. The police. It's, just, know, it's amazing. It's insane. It is. But, but they do it. Um, one other thing on Kyle Rittenhouse uh, situation. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that he has a very good case legally, yes, against Joe Biden, the candidate, and the and his campaign itself. Uh, we all know when you use images of people, and they haven't give you their they haven't given you their consent. And they are not a public figure, okay. Then you have to blur out their 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 picture. 
their, their face. We see this all the time on television, don't we? Yeah. People's faces are blurred out of a story because those per- those people are not public people. So what Biden did here in his campaign, I think, is, uh, is slander and a, a defaming a person's character and and harming their life. Yeah. Uh, and, by the way, he hadn't even had his trial yet. So what, what Biden did here in the end, uh, so I think he's susceptible. Yep. I think Biden's very susceptible to a uh, – a, a lawsuit where he ends up having to pay out a lot of money, like Nick Sandman, mm-hmm. uh, the young man from Kentucky that uh, that the media did the same thing, basically, to try to slander him. And then it turns out that it was that Indian fella who was provoking the whole situation once the video was shown. Yes. Uh, but the left, they just want this to be true. They, they, want, they want to find some white Christian... MAGA type and that's doing something terrible, and so they just—they're desperate to find that story all over the place. So, if they have any hint of it, they're going to go with it, even if it's true or not. And they're not going to wait for the facts to come out, mm-hmm. because they've said that white supremacy, Biden said, is the number one threat to our country. <laughs> I'm serious. This is what he's remember that. Oh, I know. Hey, but listen, know. folks. What what what? A lot of the now some of these Democrats uh, like to leave. Mm-hmm. They're true believers, and in, in, in they're the Colin Kaepernick type. They're Marxist cultural revolutionaries. I mean, these people, AOC, whatever you may say about, say about her, she's a true believer. Right. Then you got people like Biden and Harris to a degree. They're panderers. Okay, so they're gonna they're gonna have express sometimes false outrage because they want to pander to the AOC mm-hmm. Democrat base. So. Biden, Biden, in this case politically, okay, he wanted to get as many black folks to the polls to vote for him as possible. So he thought, how do I do that? Because I'm really not very exciting. I, I tell you what I'll do. I'll put this picture of this kid in Wisconsin up. I'll say this is who Trump is for, and he's a white supremacist. So get out and vote for me, black Americans, or the Republicans are going to put you back in chains. Yep. That's what that's what's politically that's what's going on. They're trying to play the African American voters. They're trying to pander to mm. to the fears of, of racial uh, racial uh, discrim- uh, whatever racial animus, if that's what you want to call it. And really, it leads to dividing people unnecessarily along racial lines. And they're trying to get white Americans and Black Americans in particular, but others to uh, to be at each other's throats. That's yeah. what these Democrats want to do because they can. They think they can exploit that uh, politically. Uh, Ray, it's shameless, but this is this is what this is what they do. It's, it's well, they do it repeatedly, Tim, because yeah. it works. It's a strategy that has been proven to work for the major media and for the left wing of the Democrat Party. And you know, on this question of Kyle Rittenhouse, where he goes from here, uh, not. If I compare him to Nick Sandman, who who won, right. I mean, he got the damages that Against he saw. Against CNN in particular. Yeah. Right. He got the settlement. I think now that the verdict is out, okay, he's not guilty on all counts. 
clearing his name. I think his case is even stronger than Nick Sanders. I agree. Oh, oh, I agree, too. And, uh, I mean, the media is part of this. I think he'll sue the media. Yeah. Uh, people like Whoopi Goldberg of The View, listen to what she had to say about Nick, uh, not Nick Salmon, in this case, it's Kyle Rittenhouse. Uh, Kyle Rittenhouse. Listen, cut six. The father of Anthony Huber, one of the young men shot and killed by Rittenhouse, put things into perspective, for me at least, and on CNN. Take a look. You know, that guy gets to run free, and he's now a, he's now a hero. And this is my son right here. This is Anthony, you know? We lost our son, and there's no justice right now for our family, and there's no closure. And there wasn't going to be justice in that Kenosha court with that judge. He wasn't doing anything. Right. He was trying to, he saw an active active shooter. shooter. Right. You know, he saw someone get shot. He thought he was doing the right thing. That's right. So even all the excuses in the world does not change the fact that three people got shot. Two people were murdered. To me, it's murder. I'm sorry. Well, listen, it wasn't the judge. The, uh, was that the father of one of the one of the uh, who who died? One of the three guys who attacked. Yeah, did he say anything about that? Oh no, that, he, I didn't hear the whole interview. Anyway, he dismissed his son's behavior. We, we burned up our go, Whoopi Goldberg moment. Let's move on. Move on. Yeah, what do you got next? Wonderful news today. You can go to the pumps tomorrow, gas pumps, and you'll yeah. see just a traumatic decline in gas prices. Really? Thanks to President Joe Biden. Because he's releasing. Are any of those things what you just said true? <laughs> I don't think so. I'm going to fact check. You I'm taking it. you to a point. Okay. okay. Joe Biden announcing today that he's releasing 50 million barrels uh, from the strategic reserves. Uh, 50 million barrels. That sounds a lot. Uh, sounds like a lot of oil, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, the United States of America <laughs> burns up about 20 million a day. So this is going to rescue the country for about two and a half days. We, do we have a national emergency? Because that sounds that's what that's for, right? No, there's been no hurricanes attacking, um, you know. Uh, no broken pipelines. Refineries, right. broken pipelines. So why are, we, why are we using our emergency reserves when there's no emergency? Well, Charles Payne, Fox Business Personality, has an answer to your question. Cut seven. We use oh, about 19 million a day. <laughs> so that's about three days worth, right? Sure. Um, also, there's some uh, other things. You know, legally, he can only release 30 million in an emergency. Right. Uh, listen, I think this is all for public consumption, public relations kind of stuff. If he, he needs something. He does need something. And what I'm really worried about is he's going to give a speech today. And I think that speech is going to center on, quote unquote, the profiteering of oil companies. Mm. Uh, we got a preview of it yesterday. Elizabeth uh, uh, Warren made the rounds. Uh, I've filled in for Neil, interviewed a Democratic strategist. And essentially, what they're going to try to do is, uh, you know, there's an old saying with presidents, the buck stops here. It's to pass a buck yet again. Yeah, there's the answer right there. This, this is- so, so Biden's releasing our, na- our, 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 nas- our, our reserves, which are there for a national emergency. Mm-hmm. Uh, because gas prices are too high, that's that's not a good reason. No, nope. that's not that's not. If you're gonna, he's trying to impact the oil market. Uh, he basically he's playing the part of a businessman. That's right, right. huh? And right. and what is the reason for the high gas prices? 
Uh, because Biden, Biden's Biden. war on fossil fuels. That's right. Right. That's right. right. Yeah. Uh, Shut down the Keystone Pipeline deal. Beg right? beg OPEC for to pump more oil. <laughs> you talk about a walking contradiction. <laughs> Biden shut shutting down the Keystone uh, Pipeline, which helps create energy independence for us here in the United States with oil. Oil, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, because there's natural gas pipelines too. So he shuts. He's shutting our own uh, ability to to have energy independence down. We're on the oil companies. Then he begs. Uh, that's on one hand. Then the other hand, he's going, please Saudi Arabia, pump more oil, so so we can get these gas prices down in the U.S. So I'm not hurt. Politically, in the fall of two, the next year, and I need to get my numbers up. Need to get the gas prices down. So, would you help us, OPEC? OPEC said, "No, <laughs> not going to help you. We're going to keep the prices as we have them." So now he's doing this kind of. You know, a year ago, yeah, the United States of America was shipping, exporting oil. We have, we had access. Excess, you mean? Yeah, excess. We had yeah. excess. You know. And now, Fred, year- who who was the who was the president? Just remind me who was the president <laughs> a year ago? Just yeah, yeah. in case yes, I've forgotten. Yes. A man with really interesting hair. Ah, yes. A year ago, the average price of regular gasoline in this country was two dollars and ten cents. Right. Today, it's three dollars and forty cents. Yeah. You know. Under normal conditions, I would say this. It doesn't matter whether the president is a Democrat or a Republican. They can't really control oil right? Or, or gas prices. Okay, I would say that whether it's a Democrat or a Republican. However, in this case, Biden is directly attacking the oil industry, the fossil fuel industry. So he, he got them, he's regulating them, he's shutting down uh their ability, the pipeline, for example, to, to uh, access uh, what we what we need for energy independence. So he's shutting it down. So he is impacting the cost of gasoline at the pump. He yep. is mm-hmm. Biden. His policies are, yeah, uh, and and the, quite frankly, they're proud of that. The Democrats because they want to see the end of fossil fuel usage. And OPEC is laughing in his face. Why should they increase? They're making billions. We'll be back. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.